A marvelous Monday to each of you, and welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me right here. That's my name, Sean Coleman. It's a pleasure to be with you once again here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, as well as the Locked On Grizzlies YouTube channel. Hope wherever you are watching, you're listening, or you are, you're having a great start to your day. I mixed it up there a little bit. May do that from now on. But it's a great week. It's a week of first. When it comes to Locked On Grizzlies and the Grizzlies, the first full week of the new era of Locked On Grizzlies here on YouTube, as well as this week, it starts off the Grizzlies season. The first preseason games of the year for the Grizzlies start this week. And of course, this is where, where we will have you covered for all things Grizzly as the season gets underway. Of course, you can find the show at Locked On Grizz on Twitter. Myself, Sean Coleman at StatsSAC. The podcast, wherever it's available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app, wherever you choose to listen to podcasts, and now, of course, here on YouTube as well. I've just got one request for you. When you're watching the show, while you're watching the show, hit that subscribe button below. Let's us know that you're enjoying the show. Let's others who enjoy YouTube as well as Grizzly content, let's them find the show. It just makes the overall experience for the show as good as possible. In today's episode, I'm going to talk a bit about how exciting it is, is that the Grizzlies start to the season, their preseason getting underway. Why the Grizzlies may have a bit more exciting start to their preseason than most NBA teams have. And then, of course, getting into our player preview series, we're going to go right off what we discussed on Friday. John Moran, a top five point guard going forward. Where does he need to improve and how can he do that this year? Going to talk about that in today's episode as well. But before we get started with all that, we you know, we got to get this energy going. I know I have a lot of it. know you have a lot of it as well. But let's get it going when it comes to Locked On Grizzlies YouTube. Here we go. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So obviously it's Monday morning, and I know that this is the first week of October. It's the first week of the fourth quarter of the or the fourth quarter of the year. I know that you may not be looking for it. The start of a new month, the start of a new quarter. Maybe some things have got you down, but that's why we're so excited about Grizzlies basketball being back. And here's the thing: yes, it's exciting to have Grizzlies basketball back. Yes, it's exciting that you're going to get to see where a lot of the players on the Grizzlies have improved. But the slate of games that the Grizzlies have coming up over the next week are what's really going to make it fun for you. Before we get to that, I also want to remind you that we can't thank you enough for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day. But don't forget when it comes to your second listen, check out the Locked On NBA podcast here on YouTube or wherever you enjoy podcasts. The main reason why, the preseason's getting started, but there's some Definitely some big storylines going on that we're going to see how they evolve before the season gets started. Check out Lock on NBA wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube when it comes to your second listen of the day after your first listen of the day here at Locked on Grizzlies. So over the next week, here's what the preseason schedule looks like for the Grizzlies. Tomorrow night, it's the Milwaukee Bucks, last year's NBA champion. They're going to be at the FedEx Forum. Mike Budenholzer versus Taylor Jenkins, teacher versus student. Giannis in Memphis live the first time the Bucks will be playing basketball since they won the NBA title back in July, and it's going to be on the court with, against Jaw 
and the Grizzlies. But beyond the Bucks, then we start getting into some real fun as the Grizzlies will have three straight games in which we'll get to see Jaw against three of the other highly intriguing best young talents in the NBA on Thursday. The Grizzlies will go to Charlotte. Jaws, you know, home away from home, if you will, when it comes to the NBA. Obviously, Charlotte being in the Carolinas with Jaw from South Carolina. The Grizzlies will be going to Charlotte on Thursday. Jaw versus LaMelo should be a lot of fun. Obviously, on Saturday, the Hawks come to the FedEx Forum. The Probably the biggest success story, the most surprising success story from last year, Trey Young, one of the best young point guards in the NBA, along with Jaw. Jaw versus Trey, always fun in terms of being a regional matchup. But just for NBA fans in general, that'll be Saturday. And then Monday, it's the Detroit Pistons. And number one pick, Cade Cunningham, perhaps one of the more talented number one picks we've seen in a while. He'll be coming to the FedEx Forum as well. So over the next week, Grizzlies fans not only get to see their beloved Grizzlies and John Morant, they also get to see Giannis, Trey, and Cade. And some of the defending NBA champions and two of perhaps the better young cores in the NBA. All that, that's what makes the Grizzlies preseason schedule, in my opinion, a bit more exciting than the rest of the NBA. And we all get to witness a lot of it. So it's going to be an exciting week just beyond Grizzlies basketball being back in general. But what's going to make this week even more exciting and this year even more exciting, obviously, is John Moran. And John Moran talked about it. On Media Day, you know, on Friday, I talked about John Morant being a top five point guard. And while right now, that may not be the case for some, it may not be evident that John Morant is clearly a top five point guard in the NBA. I do think we could start having a discussion that if he really does take that next step forward, if he really does make the most of this season, we could start talking about him being in that conversation, especially when you look forward to the future. So for John Morant, the big key to remember about last year is this, is that at the start of the season, he had 44 points and nine assists. The best game of his career, one of the better games we've seen in the NBA from a 21-year-old. He, jo he joined some pretty exclusive company for having that type of production in a single game at the age of 21. And then in the second game of the season, Jaw had 28 and 12 against the, the, the Hawks. Now, both those efforts came in losses. So that certainly took away a bit of the pizzazz of the pop from Jaw's production. But then that third game, Jaw hurt his ankle. Was out for eight games, came back in January, may have come back a little bit earlier than, you know, it may have made sense to do. But you wonder how much that ankle really impacted him. You wonder how much that ankle kind of made it hard for Jaw to get going as he clearly struggled with his shot from distance and also defenses adjusting to his game and basically packing the paint. But as the season went along, as I mentioned, and you look at how Jaw performed in late March against some of the NBA's best team, how he led the Grizzlies to need victories in late April, and obviously Jaw playing to the level of a top five point guard and eliminating Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors in the play-in game, as well as play averaging 30 points and 8.8 .8 assists a game in his first five career playoff games against the best team in the NBA in Utah. I get where some may think last year was a disappointment for Jaw. And I'm not arguing that point. He didn't take the statistical leap many had hoped he would. But I do feel that there are reasons why that occurred. Unexpected injury, the league adjusting to him, Jaw taking time to adjust back. But if you're going to mention that last year, at least the first two-thirds of the season, if you're going to mention that that was a disappointment, that's fine. That's fair. 
But to be fair, you've also got to acknowledge the step forward that Jaw did take in the last third of the season, and obviously the fact that he played the best basketball of his career on the biggest stage. Now, I talked about that on Friday, but I just wanted to reiterate why overall, if you have an overall opinion of Jaw last year, and it's it, it tends to be a bit more negative than positive, I just don't know if that's the most accurate way to look at the season for Jaw. Because while he did struggle at times throughout the first two-thirds of last year, the last third of the season for both himself and the Grizzlies, in terms of logical outcomes, it couldn't have been much better, both due to his play and the Grizzlies' overall exceeding expectations once again. But hey, there's always room for improvement, especially when it comes to someone of Jaws' talent and obviously entering his third season in the league at the age of 22. So about that shooting struggle, his struggle shooting, how might he improve? How exactly did he improve? What part, what facet of his game was a big reason why he improved in the last third of the year compared to the first two-thirds of the season? I'll look at that in just a moment. But I'll tell you this, if John Morant is going to take that step forward the season, he might be one of the better values in fantasy basketball this year. And if you enjoy fantasy basketball, I'll tell you the place to go that you're going to be able to enjoy your experience even more, and that's the Sleeper app in 2018. The folks over at Sleeper, they realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Too many matchups were determined by one league owner simply having more players play than another league owner. And if that's the case, if that's you, if you've lost because of that, probably makes it to where you just got tired of playing fantasy basketball during the year. You may have even just stopped playing it. I don't blame you. I did the same thing. But now Sleeper has introduced game picks. You choose one game each week that your starter plays that counts in your matchup. And it keeps the playing field Simple. It keeps it even. It keeps it fair. And it makes the strategy more fun for you. What game are you going to choose for your player? Is it being home or away going to be a determining factor? How good the opposing defense is? Is your player on a hot streak? All that makes the NBA fantasy experience through Sleeper even more fun with game picks. Make sure you check out Sleeper. If you play fantasy football at Sleeper, I can tell you with confidence you'll enjoy fantasy basketball as well. Check out fantasy basketball on Sleeper today. Now, obviously, the other thing I can tell you is this, is that right now is maybe perhaps the most fun time for sports on the calendar. Baseball playoffs, basketball getting started, football season in full swing. And if that's the case, have you ever noticed that you'll have one game up on your TV, one game on your laptop, and you're using a family member's login information to watch a baseball game? I know that I'm doing it because I've done it before. But I'll tell you a place that you can go that will let you do all of this in one setting, and that's DirecTV Stream. I want to tell you a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. It's DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. Before you could... Before you go watch, you know, your favorite stuff on four different devices at once, DirecTV Stream lets you watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. It's just DirecTV Stream. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Once again, Locked on Grizzlies, we love the fact that we're either your first listen or your first watch of the day. But for your second listen or watch of the day, why not check out the Locked On Podcast Network show for your favorite college football or pro football team? Another weekend of some really exciting action, some upsets, 
all over the place, both on the collegiate and professional level. And if you're a fan of a certain college or NFL team, I would imagine that Locked On has a show specifically for your favorite teams. For your second listen of the day, make sure you check out either the Locked On NFL podcast of your choice on Locked On or Locked On College Football podcast of your choice, all a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So John Moran, Friday talked about the fact that I feel he's on track to be a top five point guard in the league. Talked about how he ended the year really showing a bigger glimpse than many may have thought of just how special of a talent he is. But when it comes to John Morant, the thing that stands out probably more than anything was the struggle for much of the season that he had from three. And I mentioned it in the first segment, injuries could have played a part in that. The league adjusting to jaw and jaw taking time to adjust back could have played a big part in that. But overall, John Morant did, as the season went along, as he got healthier, as he did start to make adjustments, there clearly were improvements in his three-point shot and the way that they improved. The big reason why there was such an improvement in his shot is what's highly encouraging in terms of expecting more from Jaw's shot moving forward. Overall last year, John Moran averaged 9.1 points per game. Four rebounds, 7.4 assists, 3.2 turnovers per game. He did that making 6.8 field goals on 15.2 field goal attempts. He stayed pretty consistent on that amount of overall production in terms of shooting attempts per game. But really what stood out about Jaw was he was 44% from the field, which was a significant drop from his rookie year, 30% from three, and 72% from the line. That decline in three-point shooting and the fact that he was shooting the three more frequently is the reason why his field goal fell. And overall, it just didn't feel like he was the same effective scorer for much of his sophomore year like he was his rookie season. But it was the tell of two seasons for John Morant. From the start of the season through the end of March, John Morant only made 24% of his threes for basically the first two-thirds of the year on 3.6 attempts per game. He made one out of every four threes. And the big thing about that is more than half of Jaws threes came on pull-up threes. They came on, they came up through threes that Jaw created himself. On those pull-up threes, Jaw only made one out of five threes. That's where he struggled. He struggled with accuracy on his own shots. And the fact that he was attempting more of those per game than he did during his rookie year, that's why it had a negative impact on his numbers. So for two-thirds of the season, from the start of December through the end of March last year, John Morant only shot 24% from three. Certainly a struggle. Certainly not something that you wanted to see. However, basically overnight, John Morant significantly improved. Again, from the start of the season through the end of March, you're talking about John Morant shooting 24% on 3.6 three-point attempts per game. From April through the end of the season, John Morant's overall three-point attempts improved from 3.6 to 4.2, and his three-point field goal percentage improved from 24% to 37%. Why? Because Jaw doubled his accuracy on pull-up threes. That's right. He made... On his accuracy on pull-up threes doubled from the start of April through the end of the season compared to what he was making from the start of the season through March. Excuse me, from the start of April through the end of the season. When you go from the Grizzlies' first game 
on December 22nd of 2020 last year through the end of March, John Moran is basically shooting 20% on pull-up threes. But once the calendar turned to April and Jaw finished the last third of the season from April through the end of the year, Jaw made 42% of his pull-up threes. That's why there was such an improvement. That's why there was such an uptick in the numbers. And Jaw did show that improvement. It was because he finally started to evolve, learn, and apply adjustments to his overall ability to not only create his own shot, but make those shots accurately. Throughout the season, Jaw averaged two pull-up threes per game. But the fact that through the first two-thirds of the season, he only made one out of five, and then in the last third, he made two out of five, clearly shows that John Morant's shot improved, especially when he created his own shot as the season progressed. And that's why I feel like that there should be more faith in Jaw's shot continuing to improve than some may feel they feel they should there should be if you look at the numbers overall. Yeah, sure. Jaw only shot 30% from three last year. And that's not ideal in this league. It's not ideal to have your point guard, especially with as many shots as Jaw takes per game and how much Jaw is used. It's not ideal for him to shoot 30%. But then when you break it down and see how much his shot improved as the season went along and in the last third of the season, and you find out the reason why is because he took such a jump in accuracy when it comes to shots that were made in terms of his creating his own shot, that not only shows that Jaw's shot can improve, but it's also being improved through him becoming more effective at creating his own shot. Not others creating the shots for him. Jaw didn't take a big leap in terms of making open threes at towards the end of the year, and that's why his shot improved. It improved because he got better as the season went along in hitting three-point shots that he created for himself. That's why there's encouragement. That's why, in my opinion, if you're a fan of John Morant and you overall have faith that his game will continue to develop, you may not realize just how much proof last year showed that that's likely. I'm not saying all of a sudden he's going to become a guy who averages 43% on three pull-up threes a game. If he does that, <laughs> that that's an outcome no one can expect. And if it does happen, we're talking about now one of the top 10 players under 25 moving forward. That is an exciting outcome, but I'm not saying that. But my point is overall is that, yes, if you're going to label the fact that Jaws' struggles from last year from three is a bit concerning, that's fine. But I encourage you to dig a bit deeper and find out that not only did his three-point shooting as the season went along last year improve, but it also improved because he became significantly better at hitting the shots that he created himself. And going forward, if Jaw can show that improvement in one season, and that be his sophomore season, in a season where conditions were unprecedented, when 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 outside factors were against him and the rest of the NBA to a level that they're not going to be going forward, if Jaw can still show the improvement that he did in not only creating his shot effectively, but hitting it more often, now imagine what he's going to do under regular circumstances. Imagine the likelihood that's there for him to do that over longer stretches. That's why you should have faith, or I do have faith, but that's why if you may be 
a bit down, or you may be a bit skeptical skeptical of Josh Schott moving forward, that should give you a little bit more encouragement. The fact that his improvement last year came from him not only doing better at creating his own shots, but making his own shots as well. So if Jaw takes that step, right, if Jaw does improve, like last the end of last season suggests he can, where does that put his step forward? What does his step forward look like statistically? I'll highlight that in just a moment. Now, I can tell you this. One thing before we get to how Jaw Morant can take a step forward and improve his overall play, I can tell you how you can take a step forward in making your day better when it comes to your diet, and that's Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. A great tasting snack, or if you have it in the morning, a great tasting option for breakfast that also offers health benefits as well as a boost of energy. And if you go to Built.com right now, you can get 15% off your next order from Built Bar by putting in the promo code LOCKED15 when you go to Built.com. And not only that, you get over 18 different flavors to choose from. 18 of them. That's crazy. But that's a crazy good thing. Because not only can you differentiate your options, you can offer variety to your daily diet, but none of the options are bad. Go to Built.com right now. Choose from one of over 18 different flavors to make your day better and do it at a discount by putting in the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. On tomorrow's episode of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast, we're going to get into the first preseason game with the Bucks. What might be there to look forward to when it comes to the Grizzlies? What lineups might we like to see? Do we want to see the defense really stand out? What all will be fun to see? And then we'll also continue our player preview series by staying in the backcourt. Desmond Bain clearly had one of the best shooting seasons a Grizzlies player has ever had and an NBA rookie has ever had. But what can he do to, an, to improve the overall impact of his game in production? We'll talk about that on tomorrow's show of Locked On Grizzlies. So, John Morant, you know, we talked about, you know, overall last year, you may count it as a disappointment, but there's clear evidence that he not only improved overall as the season went along, did he not only show he could play to a top five point guard level when he needed to, but the shot itself improved overall as well. So what might that step forward look like for John Morant? Well, obviously there's many different ways he can improve. There's many different indications one could look at for Jaw to improve, but I just want to keep it simple. And it's two numbers, two of them, 20 and eight. That to me would be a step forward. If John Morant can average 20 points per game and eight assists per game, I think that's the step forward that he needs to take. And the crazy thing is, is that it's not really even a step forward. It's just, it's a longer step if you want to talk about it. The point that I'm getting at is this. 20 points, 20 plus points per game, and eight plus assists per per night for a 22-year-old in the NBA is so exciting. It is so encouraging and exciting to think about. But John Perrant really doesn't even need to take that much of a step forward. To give you an example of how close he is to being able to pull that off, when I talked about that stretch of the season from the start of the year through the end of March, when Jaw was only averaging, or when Jaw was only making 25% of his threes, he still averaged 19.5 points per game. Now imagine if some of those threes which rimmed out, if they would have started falling. You realize how easy it is for Jaw to get to 20 points a night with the production that he's already shown. And that's the big key. 
That's the big thing that I want to emphasize about where Jaw is. It's not like he's got to change a lot in his overall offensive approach. It's not like he has to take a significant amount of more shots per game. It's not like that he's going to have to take an unexpected boost in his overall field goal um, accuracy or change his game to where he becomes an overall better scorer. He's already there. Jaw averaged 19.1 points per game last year. So what it comes down to is this, is that Jaw Morant, even if you take his first two-thirds of the season when he struggled from three and combines it with the last third of the season when he shot very well, what it comes down to for John Morant is simply making 25 to 30 more threes this year more than the pace that he would have been on last year. John played in 63 games last year, made 73 threes. Say he played over an 82-game schedule this year, he plays 72 to 73 games this season. May play more. But if John Morant can basically go from a pace last year that over an 82-game schedule would have had him basically making around 93s, if John can improve that and basically make 25 to 30 more threes this year than he would have been on pace making last year, he easily has 20 points tonight. He also easily jumps up from 30% from three to 35% from three. That's it. That's that's how simple it is for John Morant to take the step forward that many hope he ta- hope he takes. It's him making twenty five to thirty more threes this year than he would have been on pace to make last year. Around four threes a game, I think, is a perfectly acceptable amount of three point shots for Jaw to take. And if through doing that, Jaw can apply what he did towards the end of last season over a longer stretch, hopefully this entire year. And he simply makes 25 to 30 more threes this year. Basically, he makes an extra three every other game this year than he did last year. That's how he gets to 20 or more points a night. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. We've already seen proof he could do that. That's all it's going to take for Jaw to average 20 or more points per night. And the same thing goes with his assists, right? You're talking about a player who over 130 games in the NBA in his age 20 and 21 seasons, he's averaged 7.3 assists per game. That's it. And last year, he frequently got better at producing 10 plus or 10 or more assists. He took a significant step forward in doing that last year compared to his rookie season. What that looks like for Jaw over an entire season this year compared to last year is one more assist tonight. And while that may seem like a lot, while it may seem like, you know, I'm not trying to downplay that going from eight from 7.5 assists tonight to 8.5, that's a pretty significant jump. But with the Grizzlies' style of play this year, in which they're going to have to rely on their passing more to make the three-point shot more featured, I think John Morant is going to have more opportunities to pass. And when you include Jaron in there, when you include another year of production and progression in the overall offensive effectiveness of the role of the players around Jaw, that's where I think it's encouraging. So you're talking about one more assist per night, and Jaw easily has eight or more assists per game. So that's what it comes down to for Jaw. 25 or 30 more threes per game, which basically breaks down to an extra three every other game this year, and then one extra assist tonight. If Jaw does that, 
he becomes a 20-plus point a night scorer and an 8-plus assist a night passer. That's it. Now, here is the thing that really stands out about that. I'm talking about all Jaw needs to do is hit a three every other game this year, one extra three every other game this year than his pace showed last year, and that he needs to get one more teammate to hit a bucket on a pass this year than he did last year. Again, easier said than done, but obviously it's not a far-fetched scenario to see that happening. It's a pretty simple step forward, and in my opinion, a logical ask from Jaw this year. If Jaw does that, and he becomes a player who at the age of 22 averages 20 or more points a night and eight or more assists per night, here is the group of players that Jaw would join as being the only players in NBA history at the age of 22 or younger to average 20 or more points and eight or more assists a night in a single season where they played around 75% or more of the games in that season. This group includes Kevin Johnson, former point guard with the Phoenix Suns. Pretty, pretty significant player. But let's look at the other names. Stefan Marbury, Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas, Hall of Famer Oscar Robertson, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Trey Young, and Luka Doncic. Only Luka and Trey are the two players who have done it multiple times. But if Jaw averages 20 or more points per night and eight or more assists per night, that's the group that he joins. A group that includes Hall of Famers, all-time greats, and two players in Luka and Trey who are having two of the best starts to an NBA career that we've seen in league history. And an even bigger thing that I want to point out is this, is that we're talking about Jaw potentially joining that exclusive company this year. And we're talking about the fact that for him to do that, he has to only make small yet significant improvements in his game. But just think about it. If we're simply asking for Jaw to make an extra three every other game and to have one more assist per game to get to that level, if Jaw can do that, if he can accomplish that very reasonable ask this year, we'll have gone from his second season being considered a disappointment in the eyes of many to his third season, him joining an exclusive company that has rarely been seen in NBA history, and the only players that are in that company are either all-time greats, Hall of Famers currently, or future Hall of Famers, and obviously two of the best young players in the NBA. With small improvements, Jaw can go from being a disappointment as a sophomore to clearly being historically productive at his age in his third season. It's that third year leap that we all talk about. And for John Morant, if he simply applies the adjustments that he made towards the end of his sophomore season and is able to do that over a full season in his third year in the league, he goes from being a potential disappointment to being a historically productive face of the franchise, and it really helps the Grizzlies improve this year. Am I saying, am I guaranteed it'll be done? I'm not. But I'm also saying with confidence, it's not going to take that much for Jaw to accomplish that goal of 20 or more points a night and eight or more assists tonight. And if he does that, then you start talking about Jaw being in company that I feel he deserves to be in. He starts to separate himself to be among the best in the league in his age group, and he also joins some pretty exclusive company 
historically as well, all by making small yet significant improvements that we've already have proof Jaw can make. Jaw can make these improvements. He did it last year. Now the key is to spread it over a full season. And if he does, we're going to be in for a special treat, even more so, and to a significantly higher level than we've already seen. It's going to be fun to watch. So I would certainly bet on John Morant being able to do those. And if he doesn't, now you're talking about him getting in the most improved player conversation, all-star conversations, and all-NBA conversations. And if that occurs, not only would Jaw meet his goals that he mentioned last week in that interview with Hoopside, but the Grizzlies really have a great chance to exceed expectations for the third straight year. It's going to be a lot of fun to see, and I wouldn't bet against Shaw with him being the person that he is and the player that he loves to be. Tomorrow, we're going to get into the preseason outlook for the Grizzlies when it comes to their game against the Bucks, and also continue our player preview series by looking at Desmond Bain coming up this season. Don't forget you can find the show at Locked on Grizz on Twitter, myself at StatsSAC. Subscribe on YouTube below. Find the podcast wherever they're available and listen, subscribe, and leave us a review there as well. Don't forget, once Locked On Grizzlies is done being your first listen of the day, check out Locked On Bets to get some of the best bets of the day from your boy Q and Lee Sterling. My name's Sean Coleman. It's been a pleasure being with you. We'll be right back with you tomorrow here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast.